0: And now live from Los Angeles. It's the Ultimate Candid Show with Brad and the Shark. Today's guest is Greg Rom. We're going to learn something a little bit candid about Greg today. We are. We are. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Sharkus, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. What's new in the world?
1: Uh, well, it's been a busy week and, uh, you know, sadly, sad news, you know, Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll passed away this week. No. 83 years old from kidney disease.
0: No. Yeah. It's really, she was an icon. Proud Mary.
1: Proud Mary. You know, what's love got to do with
0: it. She had some real big hits. She was an amazing woman. She was,
1: she redefined her life. You know, it started out a little Rocky.
0: Tell us about that.
1: Well, you know, she was she was married to Ike Turner. That's how she started. Right. And, um, you know, I, I guess I didn't, you know, they were married for like 15 years. She wasn't treated real well. And then, um, you know, a lot of domestic abuse and domestic violence. And, you know, they, they made that movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, which really opened up everybody's eyes to what really happened to her and her life. And now she redefined the back half of her life and her journey. So with that being Very said, sad. yeah, she, you know, she was going through dialysis at home and uh, for the last few years, she had a stroke and all kinds of stuff. And uh, you know, one of her advocacies is like, you need to really take care of your body and uh, not ignore it. Um, and then uh, poor thing, you know, she, Cher visited her at the, towards the end of her life because they were really close friends. Another back amazing the, woman, another amazing woman. So Cher came and visited her and one of uh, Tina's, Parting Gifts was one of her beautiful shoes that she gave to to share as a going away present and said, you know, I want you to enjoy this. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we really um, would like to do today is also, you know, talk about other things like domestic violence. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But also uh, this week, uh, Karen Bass, you know, the mayor of Los Angeles, uh, just got approved a $13 billion loan. To the city of Her entire
0: budget was just recently approved.
1: Yeah, it was. And um, they're actually acquiring their first hotel. Um, so, you know, she's uh, trying to get things moving and shaking. I mean, this city has the highest amount of homeless people in the nation. I mean, I guess our great weather has a lot to do with that. That helps. It doesn't hurt. No. And then on top of that, a lot of people tend to ship people to Los Angeles for whatever reason.
0: Can't imagine why, but it's my understanding she had nearly a quarter million dollars and she's going to get those in increments of 50.
1: Yeah. yeah, Earmarked. Wow. So she's trying to, she's trying to cut the red tape that the the past administration had to deal with. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of these people also need help with mental health. Um, so it's kind of a twofold challenge because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of neglect over the years, but you know, LA is not the only city that's had these challenges.
0: No. One step at a time. Exactly. Very good. What else is going on in the world?
1: Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, one thing I'd like to let people know is about domestic violence. Uh, you know, if, if you know somebody or you are the victim of domestic violence, please contact the the following number. It's one 800 Seven, nine, nine, seven, two, three, three. I'm also going to very important,
0: up. very okay. important topic for people to see. Because Please pull that up on the screen yeah, there for just let a me, minute.
1: Let me do that. And then, um, that way we can let people see that.
0: So the domestic violence hotline, right? The Nas- national domestic violence hotline is www.thehotline.org. And the phone number is 1-800-799-7233.
1: And I implore anybody out there that might be um, suffering or or going through domestic abuse, please call this number. You will get help. Thank you very much.
0: That goes for anybody for that matter. Exactly. Right. Well, thank you very much, Sharky. That is very, very nice, very kind, and very generous. And please, any of our listeners, that's important for you to know that number. So thank you very much. Go get help. Go get help. But listen, let's move on now to our next chapter. We have a terrific guest today. Really? His name is Greg Rom, and Greg Rahm has a very interesting background. He has some very interesting stories to say about some celebrities, and?
1: He's about to join us, and uh, I think when you listen to some of his stories, you'll be fascinated.
0: I think he might be at the front door. Is that Killer? That's Killer.
1: Oh, my God. We better get to the door. Somebody I, better he's... get to the door before Killer eats him. Did you feed Killer today?
0: No, I didn't feed him yet. Oh, no. There's the bell. Greg, let's get Greg. Come on in. Hi, hey, Greg. Hello, Greg. How are you? Good to, Good see, to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us, man.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Sit down. Tell us all about this. Well, there we go. We're all hooked up and ready to go. Well, I have... Um, Compiled some very, very interesting stories. Um, Basically, uh, as far as my background is concerned, uh, I was born in Los Angeles. My parents were both in the entertainment business when I was born, which later changed. Um, And uh, basically, I became a drummer at a very young age, um, which I've carried through my entire life, which has been a great ride. Um, and I have some very interesting people in my family that, um, that I'd like to talk about today. Very good. I'm excited. Yeah. So let's get going. Yeah, let's okay.
0: get going. Tell us about your first celebrity encounter and where that started. Okay. First celebrity encounter was,
2: um, that was with, uh, my father, uh, couldn't get us out of the hospital. Oh, okay. And uh, didn't have the money. So my mom and I were at Cedars Eleven in Hospital in downtown L.A. And my dad uh, picked up a newspaper and looked up a job to, so he could make some instant money and uh, basically got a job selling insurance. So he basically went out that day with determined to get enough money to get us out of the hospital and was driving through a neighborhood uh, in uh, in the Encino area. Make a long story short, he sold some insurance that day and the next day he bought a lot uh, right across the street from a very famous actor by the name of Clark Gable. No way. Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Clark Gable. You met Clark Gable? Oh, yeah. He's actually my godfather. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: I mean, how many people can say that?
2: I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, I was, uh, I was born nine months uh, to my parents' meeting. They were both in Vegas at the time. And when they finally uh, put the house together and built the house on the lot, uh, Mr. Gable used to sit across the street on his tractor, drinking whiskey nice. in his orange grove. And my father went up one day and accused him of being another actor by the name of Ray Milland. <laughs> and uh, they became the best of friends. So we were part of his life and he was part of our life for, I guess, about seven years next door neighbors with Clark Gable. Yeah. So,
1: so tell our viewers a little bit about Clark Gable. Like how, how is he famous?
2: Oh, he did numerous movies back in the day. I primarily in the thirties and forties, I would have to say. Um, Again, I was only a year old, so I don't remember too much as I got older, I spent more time over at his house and, there was very famous actors and, and that would come by the house. I didn't know who they were, but this is what I was told. Later on in life, I figured uh, just how, what a great man he was. He was a very kind man. He, uh, he loved to have fun, and he was a prankster. So he and my father. <laughs> Tell us a prank. Oh, my God. They would prank all the time. So um, uh, I remember when they went fishing together. They used to like to go fishing. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Clark Gable had false teeth. So uh, he would take his whiskey flask and pour a little whiskey into a cup (laughs) and then put his teeth in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So my father decided one day when Clark wasn't looking to steal his teeth. No. Yeah. And this was a prank (laughs) that went on for about a week from what I understood. He actually, my dad, (laughs) my dad told me, he actually went to a dentist and had another set made. <laughs> and then he took, he t- he took the original teeth back one day and got inside the house and just left him on a, on a counter saying, I think you've been looking for these. So, Oh, my anyway. God. He must have panicked. Oh, he panicked. That's what, that's what I, mean,
0: I that's popped That's bread and butter.
2: Him. Oh, you betcha.
0: You betcha. So these were in your younger years. You betcha. Are you from the Midwest, too? <laughs> uh, I spent some time in the Midwest. You okay. Know. Isn't yeah. that Fargo? <laughs> yeah, you betcha, Up there in Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota, Fargo, South Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah? Yeah, you bet. Wow. <laughs>
2: so um, yeah, that that's how I started off in life. It seemed very normal to me, which brings up a real quick point that, you know, all the things that I've been through and you've been through, we've all been through. Sometimes when you're younger, your world that you live in, you think everybody's world is like that. And it's not. So um, I've got I've got a lot of great experiences over my lifetime.
0: So that would have been like your early years, up till about seven, eight years of age, something like seven, that. Eight. with Clark yeah. Gable. Yeah. What happened after that? Well, my folks
2: got a divorce, uh, which then led into uh, some very interesting uh, situations. My oh. dad ended up with custody of my brother and I. Okay. Um, and uh, decided that. He was going to find another wife and uh, then another wife (laughs) and and, then many more wives. So uh, I grew up in a very interesting household that I had numerous stepmothers over a period of about eight years. Sometimes that happens. It happens. And uh, one of them was a, uh, a playboy bunny, a playboy bunny. Uh Uh-huh. Tell us about that. Well, that was very, very interesting situation. So um, we had lots of Playboy bunnies that were girlfriends of my stepmother that would come to the house a lot and a lot of parties and stuff. And uh, it it was great. It was very <laughs> interesting. Well,
0: we'll lead into that. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about what your businesses are right now. Charkis, right. if you could pull that up for me real quick. We sure. just want to make sure that. You know, Greg gets uh, a little detail here, and so our listeners get an opportunity yes, to contact Greg if they're interested. He's actually a, a drummer in a band. We'll talk about that for a moment. And he sells insurance. It's a man of many traits. A man of many traits. And there we go, Greg Rom. Greg, you can point this out for us. Why don't you tell us?
2: Okay. Um, that's me. <laughs> right there uh, in the center. In the center. This is a band that I play in and have been playing in for a long time called the Hollywood Rocker Fellas. Um, If you want to check us out, we're at the hollywoodrockerfellas.com, and the email is hollywoodrockerfellas at gmail.com, and then I own a company called Monaco Insurance Services, um, which I've owned for many years. I went into the insurance business uh, second generation after my father. I worked okay. with him for a while, then I went on my own.
0: And can you detail your email for us there in case somebody wants to get it's, in touch with you?
2: Yes, it's Greg at Monaco, M O N A C O, the number four, insurance.com.
0: So that's Greg at Monaco for insurance.com. And
2: what kind of insurance? Is yeah. it like anything? or what We is- write, uh, I'm in uh, many states with the company, but yeah, we write pretty much any type of risk. I do anything from corporate. To personal i do have a lot of life insurance and retirement okay. and um i recently got uh involved in some uh really good charity 501c th- uh c3 corporations uh having to do with animals and uh do- from anywhere from dogs to uh, zoo animals and whatnot across the united states where they they help these animals Nice. A lot of them coming out of uh, zoos and and uh, circuses. So, do back. you
1: insure uh, like expensive animals too? I mean, when you have like celebrities, for example, when when you know they treat sometimes their animal better than themselves.
2: <laughs> That's a true statement. Uh, yeah, my first client was Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne, what yeah. was that like? Wow, that was phenomenal.
0: So um, he just walked in and knocked on the door. One well,
2: day? not exactly.
0: How did that How did that play out?
2: Well, we were we had an office in Beverly Hills under Rom Insurance. We were at Crescent Drive in Wilshire, and uh, I came in to the business at 16 years old while I was in high school, and uh, one day I got a phone call a couple days after I got my broker's license, and basically someone said, "I need you to come up to my home tomorrow." Uh, I need you to check, see if you can write some insurance for uh, an artist. And I went, sure, I'll be there. So I went up to the house. It was uh, Don Arden of Jet Records uh, at his house and his daughter, Sharon Arden, who then became Sharon Osborne. And uh, Ozzy just flew in with uh, Randy Rhodes, his guitar player, kind of a tragic story there, and uh, basically was able to put insurance together so... They could start touring to promote their first album, which, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most phenomenal albums I've ever even heard. Uh, Really, really an amazing journey there. Part of that with the insurance companies was I had to spend a lot of time on the road and a lot of time making sure that things were running smoothly to keep everybody on track and keep the policies in force.
0: But you actually went to Ozzy Osbourne's house. You went up there, knocked on the door and went directly into his house. It was actually
2: Don Arden. Don Arden. They had a
0: jet records. Yeah. Okay. And knocked on the
2: door, went in. uh, We were in, in a kind of a study setting. There was a bar there. I remember that. And uh, Sharon came out. I met Sharon. She was then Sharon Arden and uh, Don, her dad uh, with, if you know Ozzy's uh, history, you'll know he was with black Sabbath Don made uh, Black Sabbath happen. Wow. And now Ozzy's back on the scene in the United States with Randy, with, again, this phenomenal album. That I got to hear some of it that day, and I, I was just blown away by the. It was just phenomenal.
0: What was it like to meet him first time? I mean, face to face. What did you get? Well, starstruck? it was. Uh, no, no,
2: I really don't. I don't really get starstruck. Uh, I That's was uh, very respectful. Uh-huh. Um, I was there to do a job. I was there to see if, you know, if I can make this happen from my understanding, they had been to a few other places, uh, for the insurance and were not able to place it. Got it. So this was a challenge for me being my first client. Uh, I have to, uh, thank my father, uh, who's in now in heaven, uh, as my guide and my mentor. And he basically guided me through the, uh, various, uh, uh, Movements to get the, to get this thing accomplished, which we did, and uh, the tour took off, and the rest is rock and roll history.
0: Wow, very very cool.
2: Did you ever
1: uh, meet any other famous people through Ozzy?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. uh I'm just thinking back. Scott, throw that out there. I know. Yeah, a lot of. I remember going. I spent a lot of time backstage. I didn't like to sit up in the front because when I sat in the front, most of the kids. You couldn't hear them anyway, but were on top of their chairs and right. uh, screaming and yelling. So I would sit usually uh, stage left, stage off right, side. off to the side, and I would watch the shows, which were phenomenal. Is that because you wanted to st- be able to
1: keep continue to be able to hear things?
2: Yes, pretty much. Yeah,
1: I went to an ACDC concert and I was like fourteen rows in front of the stage, free passes, and I couldn't hear for three days because yeah. I forgot
2: to bring. Yeah, I'm not kidding. The speakers were just so loud. Well, you know, even you know to know this I mean? day, drumming—I've uh, been drumming all my life in, band, you know, doing rock and roll—and right. uh, I always have worn ear. One of my teachers told me you got to wear earplugs next to the amplifiers. Yeah, one of my ears is is has been affected by it, yeah. but um, pretty much I've been because I started using the plugs at a young age. It's it's really helped me through my career.
1: So I I was on a flight. This is kind of a little bit of trivia. I was on a flight and um, I'm going from LA to Chicago. O'Hare. And who's on the flight? Ronnie James Dio and his Ronnie band. James. And I wanted him, I wanted to ask Dio to start singing. I mean, he's a little Italian guy. And I mean, when you see that guy on stage or singing and you're like, how can somebody so tiny have such an impactful voice? And, you know, the funny Monument. part is Dio, I mean, he was with Rainbow and then he was with Black Sabbath, replaced Ozzy when Ozzy right. went solo. So I know a little bit of that history, too. Yeah. I'm not a heavy rocker, but I know enough.
2: Great great singer.
1: A great singer. Phenomenal. I mean, you know, he's passed away, unfortunately. But, I mean, what a voice. What a voice. Wow. And I saw him, and he was just really chill, just sitting in his – and I'm, like, sitting next to one of the bandmates. I'm like, oh, what band are you with? I'm with Dio. And he goes, it's over there. I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't say a word. I didn't bother <laughs> these guys. We're on a plane for
2: four hours, you know, Chicago. What kind of music do you guys play at the Hollywood Rockefellers? Um, we've We've been playing together. The bass player, Chris. Um, we've been neighbors since we were kids. Wow. Oh, wow. We're almost like the
0: Beach Boys with neighbors, right? Pretty yeah, exactly. much.
2: And Luke, this is Luke Zamborini. Okay. Of um his father's Mr. Zamborini was the war hero. Wow. Um there was a movie uh, that I saw st- that movie. Yeah. That's that's his.
1: I think that was the one that Angelina Jolie directed. And
2: and Brad Pitt when they were yeah, together. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: the connection.
2: That's a connection.
1: <laughs> wow. What a small. So we've world. known him,
2: We've known each other uh, for so many years. That's very cool. And we're still playing together. We've been through different name changes and whatnot. We're actually still playing in the studio at Chris's house, that was built in the '70s in the garage, 24-track studio. We're still playing in that same studio. And we're doing
0: 60s, 70s, and 80s, all the hits. Sounds right. like fun. So I advertise one more time. It's, what's it called? The Hollywood Rockerfellas. HollywoodRockerfellas.com. And the email? HollywoodRockerfellas
2: at gmail.com.
0: Terrific. So what we'll do now is we're going to take a break for about 30 seconds. Just sit back, relax, listen to the music, and then we're going to get into that candid story about the Playboy Bunnies. Welcome back to the show. And, Greg, now we're going to dig a little deeper. You're going to tell us a little bit more about this Playboy Bunny theme that uh, kind of ran in the family for a while. Fill us in on some details there. Well, that's an
2: interesting story. So <laughs> my, I found out that my stepmother, my dad's third wife, very nice, really nice woman, uh, I only knew, kind of knew her as mom, but um, one of my classmates – Uh, in junior high school, brought a Playboy to school, opened it up, and the (laughs) centerfold was my mom. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So needless to say, between that, finding out about that, and kind of called my dad at work when I got home from school that day and said, hey, Pop, uh, is it true? And he goes, what are you talking about? (laughs) He didn't know. I he didn't know. He he had no clue. You're kidding. No. So that evening was a very interesting dinner. Uh, not a lot of food was being eaten. Uh, <laughs> Can't imagine there was. No, no, not a lot it's of food. probably more alcohol being Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> drinks would have been on hand. But uh, basically it came out and there was a huge disturbance over it, which they worked out, which they worked out. But um, this was very – new into their relationship. So the things that transpired after that, which was kind of amazing. And I kept wondering why all my friends wanted to come over to my house every day after school, because, uh, well, first of all, my dad had built an arcade and a pool table and all my buddies, including Chris would come over after school and we hang out. And there were parties on the weekends where numerous playboy bunnies would come over and go swimming. So, uh, you had a
0: playboy bunny fest in your backyard. Yeah. I
2: think Hugh Hefner should have come over to our place. Is it?
0: Was it clothing optional? Well, it was okay.
2: Yeah. So, so there was a lot of, uh, unique, unique attire. attire. Um, I was, gosh, how old was I then? I was just around 12 to 13, maybe at that particular time. Um, but it, it, it turned out to be a very interesting <laughs> experience for me personally. I won't go into a lot of detail, but let's just say that was the, the first of many my <clears throat> experiences. <laughs> wow. So with you, girls.
1: You can say that you didn't
2: have to go to the Playboy match and they came to you pretty much. Yeah, nice. How pretty many much. people could say that? Not too many, not too many. I do, to be honest with you, I have never really discussed this with anybody. Wow. Well, we want to thank you because yes. this is the Candid Show. That's exactly. right, the
0: ultimate Candid Show. Exactly. And that's definitely an ultimate Candid Show story, <laughs> oh. isn't it? I mean, Absolutely.
1: that's something you can't, it, it's priceless. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's priceless. Um. So, I mean, it seems like, to me, like you've had a really full life. Very full uh, life. To say the least. Yes. I mean, you know, insurance by day, rocker by night. Pretty much. And so my question to you is, like, if there's anything else that sticks out in terms of some of your celebrity encounters or whatever, what else? I mean, you, you're full of stories. So, I mean, I've got to ask, maybe we got maybe another minute or so, but like,
2: I would say um, this shocking thing that happened with Tina Turner back in the day, I had a friend of mine by the name of Dick Fox, a friend of my family's who was a promoter agent type and loved music and I got a call from him one day and he asked me if I would come down to a studio and play drums. He was putting a band together to back a singer. And I said, sure. Well, it turned out to be I Tina's studio. Oh, wow. Recording. Studio. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, the way I knew is when I pulled up, it was, I think it was on South La Brea. Uh, when I pulled up to the studio, uh, I walked down a hallway. I remember that. And there was like one after the other of gold records one after the other. And I'm reading the gold records going, Oh my God, I can Tina Turner who I just love that Mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I I was at the studio. Um, We actually went back about five times, did some recording there. And um, it was really remarkable that I never met Ike, but Tina came walking through the room when we weren't playing one day, we were kind of like listening back to some tracks and introduced herself. And I was wow. just like, this is the nicest woman I've ever met in my life. Wow. Nicest human, humble, wow. humble, sweet, just hosp, you know, just hospitable. And, uh, I've followed her career forever. I've played in bands that have done her music. Um, there's actually an audition coming up for a uh, uh, Tina Turner show that I talked to somebody about and they, they put my name in the, in the, uh, in the hat for that. Wow. But, um, Yeah, that was a phenomenal experience, and I'm so sorry that she she left us.
0: Very sad. Very sad.
2: She was really the queen of rock and roll. She was. Phenomenal. If you ever got to see her live. I didn't. Did you? Oh, yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. yeah, A couple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, she she was amazing, wasn't she? The dancing. Now, I heard that Mick Jagger used to hang with her a lot and taught her. uh, She taught Mick a lot of his moves. I was watching film the other day, and sure enough, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Mick at, Jagger. I went back and forth, and Mick Jagger, they had a lot. He copied a lot of her moves.
1: You, you know, when she went solo, one of the first things she did was she opened up for the Stones.
2: Right. I remember that. I remember yeah. that the I concert. think it was like,
1: what, mid-'80s?
2: Mid-'80s, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I do definitely remember that. They loved her. They did. They loved well, her. Well, they love yeah. R&B. Oh,
0: Yeah. These are some amazing stories, Greg. Thank you so very much oh, for being pleasure. on the show I today. Really, really We've learned a lot. We'd guys. like to have you on again sometime in the future to tell Any us more, time. if you would. Anytime. Excellent. So thank you, listeners, for listening today. We've learned some really interesting things. We hope you have a great week ahead, and thanks so much. See you next week. Take care now.